Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Glam Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Muldowney, aka the Glam Reaper herself. On today's episode, we are talking to Carrie, the mortician, as she is known online. We are talking all things social media, how she got started, how she's doing super well. Um, we're talking about the ups and downs of social media in the funeral biz, and it's a really good episode. So check it out. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glam Reaper podcast. I'm your host Jennifer Muldowney and on today's episode I am joined by a mortician who I follow on Instagram and I'm going to let her introduce herself and we can't wait to hear more from. Hello welcome. Hello I am Carrie the Mortician on YouTube, Instagram. Started the TikTok thing but you know feeling super old trying to do it but that's okay. I'm still there and on Facebook and yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. That's great. And so that's how I actually came to find you, Carrie. Um, and I just, I find your content, you know, it's it's honest, it's open. I mean, I don't know what age you are. I feel like we're probably of similar age. So I hear you on the TikTok buzz. <laughs> I actually got into TikTok a tiny bit myself during COVID. I think it was just boredom. Like, I think it probably a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, I don't use it for work because for what I do, it's it's kind of tricky, similar. That's why I do want to touch on that. Um, it's, it's tricky to do it because I, um, I'm so into my clients privacy and stuff and what yeah. I do is you know I can't show people sort of in behind scenes of a funeral home because I'm not a funeral director I don't work at a funeral home and to me that they're also my clients funeral home so that would be right. their privacy and stuff and um, but what I love is that there's so many interestingly um, so many women who are now online really pushing forward this death awareness, this sort of behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain, you know, the Wizard of Oz, all this kind of buzz um, and just showing people what's out there. Right. Um, and so what what initiated you into? Well, actually, I'd really love to know what initiated you into getting into this business yeah. and then into social media. Of course. So when I was 16, I needed a job. My mom worked at a funeral home. She was the aftercare coordinator. So she met with families kind of during and then worked with them afterwards. If they wanted someone to connect with, someone to help them with anything after. She had groups that would gather just like widow and widowers. Uh, and so I needed a job and she's like, come work at the funeral home. I was like, all right. And never really envisioned that would be any end goal for me, but then tried it my junior year of college and I was hooked. So 20 years licensed later and 30 years in the business or something like that. And so I've been around it forever. It feels like I'm 44. So I've been around it for forever. It feels like, and it's just second nature or even first nature in a lot of ways to me. Um, and then started the online about six years ago, I think almost seven um, which is crazy at this point to think it's been that long and has just organically grown um, in its its diversity and it's really viewer demanded what they ask me, what they want me to dive into is a lot of what just straight my content is. So yeah. And um, what was your it... initial question? I have no idea. Sometimes I ramble and then I forget where I even started. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. No, you actually, you, it was a double barrel question. Okay. 
<laughs> you're fine yeah it's actually myself and my friends at home we joke about um we fridge magnet things because especially when i'm living in new york here and i go home to ireland we're like and we're just talking about so many things and we're like digressing all over the map yeah. so we're like okay, let's come back to that let's come back to that of course we don't come back to half of it but anyway. <laughs> um so so about seven or eight years ago you got into social media is there one platform that you find is the most responsive to what you put out there well i started on youtube um it i was in kind of a lull i didn't realize it was a kind of a rut of of the job i think i was not working for the right people and which happens a lot in this business and my husband at the time said well why don't you post some questions and do some facebook lives about the business Maybe people want to answer questions, see what happens, maybe do YouTube. You know, like he was um, being exposed to um, YouTube and some YouTube people through his work. And so it was just kind of like, hey, why don't you try that? And I did. I answered about 13, 14 questions for things that people had posted on my Facebook and started doing Facebook Lives, which is the most a nerve wracking thing, your first couple, because you're like watching that number of how many people are watching you and it goes up and then it goes down and you're like, well, why did they leave? What did I do wrong? Why don't they like me? What's wrong with me? And so it, you've got to like ignore that part. But then I started having people say, hey, I want to share that video with my mom or I want to share that video with my grandma. And I was like, well, I don't want people just all going to my Facebook. So I did upload them all to YouTube and people started finding them and watching. I remember I hit a thousand subscribers and I was like, who are these a thousand crazy people wanting to watch me talk about stuff in my living room? And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then it kind of became its own brand. I became my own brand essentially through it. And so started the Instagram, started a Facebook, started more, um, you know, building a platform rather than just doing these random videos. And I thought I would be sharing for maybe students or something like that. And it became my viewership is on YouTube really is strongest. It's like the 50 to 80 year olds and they watch and they watch the whole video. Um, like in on YouTube, the average watch time on videos is maybe three minutes or so. Like you said, people are yeah. watching short. My average watch time is between six and seven minutes. And yeah. when at least half of my videos are only two minutes long, that tells you people are watching the full duration because the people that are going to YouTube, the YouTube, like the Applebee's, the YouTube to watch my videos are wanting to know what I'm saying. They're there for education and learning and context. And I have a really good, strong core group of people where, you know, when I started getting some bullying by some other people's channels, viewers, they'd come to mind and start like bullying. I didn't even have to say anything because my viewers would be like, leave her alone, get away from here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I have people like they're my oh, people. Wow. So it was, kind of, it was kind of fun to watch it's like a social, the whole thing's been a social experiment that I didn't know I needed, but it's amazing to watch it play out. And then diving into the other platforms to try to reach other age brackets in different ways and try and educate in different, it's like telling the same bit of information in 20 different ways to get somebody to hear it. Yeah. So it's, it is really interesting how it all works in that essence. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, fair play. And a quick question. How, <laughs> quick question, but we'll see. How do you find the time 
to do it all. I don't, I have no, um, I don't sleep. I don't. Yeah. I, I, and then I bite off more. I'm like, well, why don't I do a podcast? Why don't I do this? Why don't I write a book? Why don't I? And my boyfriend's like, um, at some point you got to stop. Like you have to just manage what you have rather than continually, because I have a hard time saying no. And that's my problem. So that's on my vision board this year is like have grace for myself and focus on what needs focus. And I think the last year I was saying yes to everything because I was, I was divorced, you know, coming out of a divorce and I'm the only person making income in a house and feeling the pressure of that. I think I was trying to find every avenue of any revenue and I bit off a lot in different areas. And I'm a freelance funeral director. So that means I can work as little or as much essentially as I want to. And I work um, a good, I work three days a week and every other weekend at least, and then have a home office days. But then those home office days, if there's a sick kid or if there's doctor's appointments or whatever there may be, they're gone. And then I have a backup of oh crap, how am I going to get any of this other done? And so I'll get up at 4 a.m. some days and try and hammer away at an hour of work before I have to do mom or, you know, whatever it may be. But yeah, I definitely, there's there's a lot of time I'm over my head a bit, but yet I still keep pushing through and manage. And um, yeah, it's that thing. You look at other people and you're like, they're doing everything way better than me. But people are like, wow, look at how amazing you're doing. And I'm like, oh, my Jiminy, do you even know how stressed out? Like, I have a bleeding ulcer right now, I think. And, you know, it's always you never realize what is behind the life. I saw a, a meme recently and it said we are a society of very happy pictures with very sad people or yeah. something like that, you know. And yeah, yeah. or it's like the, the photo that I kind of feel like it for any entrepreneur or anybody who's kind of pushing themselves in in a sense or even just yeah like a mom or a dad who's just like keeping their shit together and stuff but it's that um iceberg yeah it's the huge iceberg underneath and all you see is this tiny tip of what we actually show to the public and yeah you know people don't get to see behind the scenes and the 4 a.m's and the dragging your ass here there and everywhere and yep. um yeah god wow fair play to you um that's amazing and can i ask is there What's been the wildest question you've ever gotten asked? Oh my gosh. Well, and it's funny because people ask like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever done? What's the craziest? What's the grossest? And I'm like, you know what? Everything's contextual in terms of the person. So what's gross to me at this point, it's very little. It's, you know, like um, fungus on toes or, you know, like weird things that people are like, really? That's what about, you know, a head that's been exploded or that? And I'm like, it's, it's that at this point, that's not really that gross anymore. Like it's, yeah. it's fascinating anatomically that, but when you have, um, I'm trying to think, you know, broken bones still gross me out and things like that. But, and people just want to know what the wild is. They want the, the gore and the crazy yeah. and they want that kind of response question, but I, my brain doesn't even know where to go because I don't see things in that vantage point. Yeah. For the most part, I can maybe step back and think, well, I guess I could tell about that or I could tell about that. 
but I don't even know if that's even crazy or gory or weird anymore yeah. for what, you know, people think. Um, so it's hard to connect my brain to a lay person who's not in the businesses. But and that's, yeah. And that's it, I think is, is, you know, people will ask these questions and it's morbid curiosity and it's, yeah. you know, like asking a surgeon, I'm sure like what does what's the grossest thing you've seen what's what's the beating heart in your hand feel like and stuff like that but to them it's probably like holding a cup of coffee to somebody else like it's it, it's right. it's just relative everything is relative to what you do in life like I always joke that you know five dollars to me might in in my hand might be five hundred thousand in well Donald Trump's hand say for example right. just because that just came in today you know it's it's all relative to what you're used to like that you know me gambling the five I mean okay maybe not five to five (laughs) well you know what I'm saying it's um, all relative um so but you you know one of the things I'm fascinated with um and as I said there's there's so many now influencers I don't even know if that's the term educators I feel is more appropriate um who are on the TikToks, the TikToks, on the YouTubes, on the Instagrams and all of these, and they're educating people. Um, Do you ever worry from your own point of view and like watching all these others that misinformation is getting out out, out there? Terrible misinformation. So that's the, the negative of, I think, especially what has been brought about with TikTok, because it's a quicker way to get bad information where, you know, YouTube took a little bit, takes a little more work maybe to post and stuff. And didn't you, we didn't see it as much where now we have people who are not even funeral directors, not even in mortuary school. They're in like pre mortuary school. They've never even seen an embalming. They have no literal clue, but they throw mortician in their name title. And so people listen to them and they are trying to give every sensationalistic posts that they can and they're giving really crappy bad information so then people come back to me like oh my gosh I saw this and blah 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 no that's 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 wrong and then you have people that are that are trying to get that viewership and they are they're showing bodies they're showing things they should not be showing they're doing videos while they're embalming and it's like that's, these are, this is all illegal. And then they cry when they get fired or when there's a lawsuit, you know, there's a man that was driving a hearse and he took a picture and there was a casket in the back. That funeral home and that person were sued for just that, let alone videotaping while you're in embalming, let alone showing an actual dead body. And we're seeing it with in like the medical examiner corner type situation, first response, you know, we're seeing it within a lot of those scenarios. And people are like, well, you know, the families will never see it. No, 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 no. These are smart, smart algorithms that are bringing things to people specifically. So if I had a loss, and I live in, let's say, Baltimore, and there's a funeral director posting crap in Baltimore, I'm it's coming back to me and I'm gonna see it. And yeah. so that's what some of these people are not understanding, and some of these younger people are not understanding is this will kick you right back in the butt. Yeah. And there are people who are not so much in the business, and so, so there's a term funeral tainers. 
is a term that some of the <laughs> that has come out that the older generation are calling some of the younger and other people that are putting out content that they're claiming they don't do the work. They're they're putting themselves out and presenting that they do the work and they're just there to funeral tain. And you know, they have no idea what that person really does behind the scene. It's an interesting term that they they're yeah. using and throwing out. And I'm like, wait, are they claiming that I am? Like, what are they saying? But, you know, of course, we always think it's they're talking about us, but, you know, yourself. Um, But it is a there's a lot of really bad stuff that's happening. A lot of legal stuff that's happening because of what's being put out. Yeah, that's uh, it's huge. Um, And that that gentleman who got um, sued, was it his was it the, the hearse driver? Was it the family who sued him? Yeah, the family saw the post and said, that's my loved one. And you're posting about my loved one. That's their casket. You're, that's the day of the funeral. This is what you were wearing. Like they knew. Wow. They knew. And so, I mean, that's one thing I don't ever, there's never ca- even caskets that have yeah. anybody in them in my videos. I never have bodies. I make sure there's nothing written, no family names anywhere. I really try to make sure. And if I do video myself, even in the hearse, even if it's empty or at a cemetery, I don't ever post the day I'm doing it. Yeah. So <clears throat> to correlate it is going to be very hard that it ever connects. And I'm never go like, we're here at a graveside, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like <laughs> I, I, I try not to ever be specific where it would connect to anything. And I work in, I think I counted one day in like 21 different communities or something I've worked in. So any stories I tell, it would be really hard to say that was my loved one because I have worked in so many different communities with my freelancing and everything that, you know, that's that's one nice thing about the work I do that is specific and unique to, to me is I can, I can tell stories that are kind of general and you really can't go back to yeah who they are for the most part, I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's a huge problem. Um, I mean, I, I have, um, I have team members that work for me and sort of will manage my memorials, um, posting my page and stuff. And, you know, they want, initially we had a few teething problems in that they wanted to post certain things that I was like, yes, I know I've done PR and marketing. I know from a, from a content point of view, absolutely. That will go viral or absolutely. That makes right. great content. It's just not what my brand represents. And it's not what I want to put forward, right. which is a really difficult, you know, and we're still working on, on some uh, kinks. Um, and it, you know, it, that's the difficulty in what we do. It's like, these are these are real life human beings we're talking about and even even the, the the ones who are dead these are these were real life human beings and their families still are and so exactly to your point i mean i don't post anything either without permission or if it's or maybe a year or two later and when i when i do it's flowers or something or it's you know maybe a, a, a part of the the which it could be anybody's because you know we obviously do similar things but even at that it's um you know blur things out or you know there's no semblance of censorship with with the kids I don't say the kids of these days because I mean I'm 40 and you know I still feel like I'm 25 
But, um, you know, it is, as you said, it's kind of a lot of, um, they've grown up in the social media age of there is no kind of privacy. There is no sort of censorship. Right. And, um, you know, and, and I've learned lessons along the way myself in that, you know, I might have posted something like I obviously work with other funeral homes and stuff like that. And I might have posted something that had the corner of something or, you know, and that's fine. And I'll take it down and, you know, apologies and didn't realize and stuff like that but so it is a learning curve I think for everyone um like even again you know my social media team are kind of like oh we we, we really need to do behind the scenes on such and such and I'm like I would love to do that I think it would be amazing but we can't like that's somebody yeah. else's precious day and unlike a wedding when they want it recorded and usually broadcast to the public this is not that and that is so important for people to understand it's yeah I, there's a video on my YouTube channel actually um, on the Glam Reaper YouTube channel where it's actually a recording of a documentary so um, like it's not my recording but it was a documentary many many years ago um, showing and um, they sent somebody undercover into a UK um, funeral home and it gets it still to this day gets the most comments of of people horrified at the way this funeral director treated the deceased um like and it blows my mind that it still gets you know people are horrified which they've every right to be and they should be right. Um, right it's just wild have you um any in your experience have you had any um sort of blips or or doo-doos or you know where you've kind of thought you've posted something and then thought afterwards and you're probably I'm getting the vibe you're similar to me probably an overthinker and anxious oh, yes. <laughs> should I have done that oh that maybe I don't know you know <laughs> um I'm trying to think if there's been any specific I would have to look back through videos I'm sure I've posted I've posted about naughty funeral directors and like talking about things that they've done wrong. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything specific, not for, for certain, honestly, there's been posts on like in funeral director groups where I've said stuff and then been attacked for saying it because it's a golly, it's a contentious group of people, Um, you know, for just, trying to call out truth or, you know, whatever, combating what they believe. But I don't know. I don't think there's really a video I've, I've posted or even a post that I've felt like I should censor. And then, no, um, I think I'm very careful with what I say, the context I put out. Um, and there are people who are like, why would you ever share that with, if I, they think I'm oversharing? Like I do share, I did a video about um, grief after my divorce and this people like, well, how dare you claim that your grief is even near grief of losing someone? And I'm like, that's not really what I'm trying to share. What I'm sharing is that as a funeral director, we don't grieve the way other people do. Like when you lose a loved one, I turn on a uh, emotion blocker so that I can do work. So I don't get to grieve like you do when you have a death. And my divorce was where I could, I couldn't block it. I couldn't turn on any response because I wasn't working. And so I went through these emotional swings and through what are identified as the stages of grief and could identify them in a weird way like I never did before. That was one I got some feedback. Oh, the video I posted, the one I've gotten the most negative back is um, handling like obese individuals. 
And oh dear God, I didn't, I never thought that I would get so much negative and people like, well, oh, you're charging by the pound. And oh, if someone is uh, over a certain weight, then you're going to charge more just because of their weight. And I'm like, no, no, no. If I need more people, more, if I have to pay more people to come for work, then you have to charge for that. And if they're, the merchandise costs more because there's more material, then you have to pay for that. If the crematory charges more because of their size, you have to pay for that. Like you're not charging because they're of a certain weight. You're charging because things cost more because of certain items. And so I'm like, the embalming isn't going to cost more because you have to use double the material. That's not going to cost more. But if I have to bring four people to the home for the removal, yes, I have to charge more. And so it was like, oh my goodness. It was, it, it felt like defending myself, especially the first couple of months that video came out, which has been years now at this point. But yes, that video, I don't think I regretted it, but I, I felt like I had to defend myself so much because they were not hearing what I was saying. And I've always thought maybe I could have phrased it different. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't redo videos and, you know, try and phrase them differently. Like how I say them the first time is kind of how they, how they go. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Two things that what you said there, first of all, I completely disagree with everyone who was attacking you over your divorce. I did a TEDx talk on this entire topic that Mm -hmm. we as a society need to get the F over ourselves and stop judging other people's grief because I don't know what it was like. I'm not married. I don't know what it's like to get married and have a divorce. I have a best friend who went through a divorce and was nearly suicidal at one point. And so I had to walk her through that and and hope that she'd commit as best I could because Mm -hmm. suicide is such an internal thing you know mental health is such a I lost a dog and I felt like I lost a person when you know so I think that's I completely would I would jump to your defense in that and I would send those people that TED talk and I'd be like listen get off your whatever pedestal you think you have because maybe somebody died on you I'm sad that somebody died on you I'm so sorry that that happened to you but equally, that doesn't take away from somebody else's grief. It, yes. it, we're each on our own and we're we're all doing our best. And, and that judgment drives me absolutely crackers. And then the yes. second thing, it's so funny because I'm like relating to all of this. The second thing, the overweight thing, the obese thing. Interestingly, um, we put a post up about how an obese, um, how a crematorium went on fire after an obese person had been put in. Yeah. Now we now this was because a lot of what we do, um, and and again, you know, with social media evolving, you're seeing what your audience like and don't like, and our channel isn't huge or anything, but um, it's very it's very soft and squishy, is what I describe. <laughs> ours as. That was that was my um when I was describing it to my team and sort of saying, okay, this is what we're going for. I understand you want to do all this, but no, we need to be soft and squishy and and a hug. That's what we want to be people for people is a hug, and they're like, okay. <laughs> Anyway, I love my descriptors, but um, we put that post up and what was interesting is one of my friends who uh, worked quite closely with me at the time and, and still works with me, she um, messaged me and she said, Jen, I don't think this is who you are. I don't think this is who your brand is. I, I don't think this post is appropriate. 
And I had to sit back and like that, the anxiety ball. I was like, oh my God, if I'd done this a terrible thing, that's not me and that's not. And then I sat and I looked and I was like, no, but it's it it's just sharing, you know, it's an article that's online, it's news and it's just sharing it. And, you know, listen, I battle with weight, like most women, I think, whether it's up, yeah, underweight or overweight sure. or whatever it is, we just all battle with it. Men too, I'm sure. I just don't know what it's like to be a man. Um, but my friend, I, I said to her, I wrote back and I said, you know, this isn't attacking obese people. This isn't, you know, and what was interesting though, is she took some time. She came back and she said, you know what? I'm sorry. She said, I took that as a personal attack because she's dealing with things. And that's the thing about social media. And it's the same with text messages and any sort of thing that you read, you're taking it in your moment, whatever mood you're in, like I'm on a freaking detox at the moment. So like most things I'm are met with like, <laughs> not really. like you know, I'm, I'm missing my coffee and my glass of wine or whatever. But like whatever you're dealing with in that moment, whether it's grief, happiness, you know, procrastination, you know, fear, shame, whatever you're dealing with in that moment, if something you read something online or somebody texts you something, you're receiving it with that energy. It doesn't mean the person sent it to you in that energy. It just means you're receiving it that way. And that's what I feel like, okay, this was, mine was on a much teeny tinier scale, but what you're telling me about your post, I'm kind of like, that's the majority of those people, I guarantee you who attacked you, took it as a personal attack on themselves. They are probably battling with weight. Maybe even half of them aren't overweight, but they're battling with it. And they saw it as a personal attack. Like, why should I have to pay more? Why did I? And, you know, your answer is logical. It's scientific. It's, if it costs more, unfortunately, I'm really sorry. I have to charge more. Like, that's like me saying, you know, when I do, a, a cater reception um and people are like okay well we're gonna have 100 people um and then they change to 150 i mean if the price has to go <laughs> we right. have to have more food we have to have more drink more staff like it's, logic, it's just right? logical it's just it's just a numbers thing and unfortunately like you said though i got to the point where i'm like okay this person is probably 400 pounds sitting in their house watching mm-hmm. this video and feeling like their family is going to be charged more when they die. And yeah. I understand that. I get that visceral yeah. reaction to it. And it's easy for the keyboard warriors to just throw anything they want at me. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, yep, I get it. Thank you. Thank you for your your opinion is what like I got to the point because they don't want to hear my answer. My answer will not change how they're feeling. And that was a big thing, I think, to learn when you're on social media, especially, I think, YouTube, because YouTube's so anonymous. And you you can change your name every day. You can change your handle every day. You can change everything, which you can do on other platforms, but there's a lot of photos and stuff there. So I think Mm -hmm. YouTube is just so anonymous that it's it's frightening because you have no idea who you're interacting with, where they are, what's going on. And um, people... I think are lonely and people want to engage you and they will do it through negative content because that is the best way to engage somebody is to get them to online battle. And for a while I did, I would lose time. I would lose energy. I would lose sleep in the beginning. And I finally got to the point. I'm like, wait, 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 what am I doing? Like, this is not worth my time and energy. This person obviously just is trying to stir turds to get me to engage with them. And I'm sorry that 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 is their sad life, but I need to step away and finally realized how to deal with it and did it and became healthier in that 
you know, that kind of response and stuff. But it did take a while to get there because there's a lot of sad, sad people. And that's how they, the only way they can interact with another human is through yeah. that. It is. Um, it, it really is. It's very sad. And it's, we're all completely different and everyone deals with things differently. And, you know, that's... Yeah. Social media opens that beast up for communication, which, you know, brings in both the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, so, Carrie, just before, I guess, we let you go, because yeah. um, it's been wonderful to have you on, and we might have you on again um, if you're up for it, yeah. um, is what would be, if you've got some maybe budding funeral directors out there or, you know, these ones that are pre-mortician school and maybe they're, you know, we've talked um, a little bit about they can take some advice from you. What yeah. would be your kind of your one piece of advice or even if it's some you know somebody who's had a funeral home for years and years and years you know and maybe they're they're considering you know getting in touch with social media and sort of doing a tiktok or doing the the youtube or whatever um education and being honest is has to be a kind of a core goal entertainment when we're in this business cannot be your goal. Um, it's not a business based on entertainment. We're not here to entertain. We're here to care for people. And so if you educate to empower and allow people to get to know you, give a human side to us as funeral directors, you can do it with a little bit of, of humor and such, because that is going to engage them. But it can't just be at the expense of the families that are being served and, and everything. And I think especially for the younger generation to step back and think, okay, if this, if my family member was here, or I guess for anybody, if my family member was here and that was my loved one, and you came across a TikTok where someone's dancing in front of grandma's casket or using grandma as a background while she's being embalmed or anything, how would you feel about that? Would you think that's awesome? Would you feel offended? Would you feel sad? Would you feel manipulated? And also, you know, there's a lot of contracts that now have privacy in them or, you know, cell phone. And so as an employee of a funeral home, also remember if you're doing TikToks on company time, your employer can come to you and tell you that you owe them anything you have made on those videos because you are on the clock while making them. And as an employee, if you are creating um, documents for the funeral home while you're working for them, they own those. If you're creating content for your YouTube, for your Instagram, for your whatever, and posting it, thinking you're creating entertainment and things, and you start making money on it, your employer can say, guess what? You are on the clock making those. So that is our content. That is our income and can come to you on these different angles. Of course, they won't agree with that, but that's okay. Good. Then I will take back my, what I paid you for that time while you were making those on the clock. Yeah. So it's either you're on the clock or you're not on the clock. You're being paid. You're not being paid. And remembering that it's not just cut and dry when it comes to those things. Because if you're sitting and you're TikToking or you're Facebooking or you're Instagramming, that's time that you should be working yeah, and should be doing those other things. So that is a huge part of the problem now is the focus being divided, the focus being away from the family and how can I use this moment to create content? 
So I always think I don't create enough content while I'm like at work and while I'm doing things because I'm working. So a lot of my videos, if I'm at work is usually like seven in the morning when I first get there or whatever, because I'll be like, oh, that would have made for a good whatever. And then I'm like, well, that moment was over because I was actually working. Like I can't, I can't push around a casket with one hand and I can't do things with one hand if I'm trying to record and me and another employee trying to record me doing something is not always the best use of time. I do it once in a great, great, great while, but not often because I'm working, you know, nothing. So focus, know you're focused, uh, focus of where you need to be focusing and understand your role as an employee of a company and where you should, should be with it. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, everyone who is interested, I guess, should follow you and we'll leave all the links to all your different um, social media handles, all of the YouTubes and all of the Instagrams and the TikToks. And thank you so much for having us. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show, should I say. Thank you. I appreciate it. that was our episode with Carrie the mortician so definitely do check her out on social media all the handles are listed below and we look forward to talking to you again next time ciao for now